Welcome, and thank you for joining Bob and I today on UDTV. Our commitment is to journey with you and ask questions about how, as people living with diabetes, we can transform our lives from a common to uncommon diabetic life. Before we get started, I need to remind you that the content we discuss on UDTV is provided for information and education purposes only. So check with your doctor and healthcare professionals before you make any changes to your routines. Today, Bob and I are going to discuss with Shay how we can best balance a busy life with diabetes. So let me give you some insight into Shay Aris. She is an artist, advocate, and uncommon diabetic. Shay was born in British Columbia and was brought up with bears visiting her backyard, birds nesting in the trees, frogs and turtles inhabiting ponds and lakes all around and all manner of life continuing on before her eyes. She fell in love with nature and watching the wildlife living and moving forward in life. She started sketching and creating at a young age as she was brought up in a very creative household. And with this support, she has developed her passion for art and her skill into a career as an artist. Her mindset is on capturing moments in a fantastical setting where reality and, a, and magic can meet. Along with her art, Shay has a few causes that she is passionate about. As a type one diabetic, she is focused on raising awareness and eradicating ignorance surrounding diabetes and also serving as an advocate for those also challenging diabetes. Her second cause is to support and work with wildlife foundations for the preservation and protection of endangered species and environments. Shay is definitely uncommon as she juggles her busy young life of being an artist, an advocate, all while living with and challenging diabetes. So I'm looking forward to our discussion today about how she balances her busy life and diabetes. So welcome, Shay. Thanks so much for joining us today in our audience with uh, Uncommon Diabetic TV. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always nice to talk about things with people and get, get some things out there. Shay, maybe we can start with um, your diabetes. Everybody's got a great story to tell. I, the, the diabetics I know, maybe you can tell our uh, viewers when you got diabetes, how you discovered it, how it impacted you uh, right off the bat. I have an entire household or household full of diabetics. Um, my dad's diabetic, my sister's diabetic, and. Uh, when I was a kid, I went to diabetic camp with my sister before I was diabetic and uh, actually wished for it because I didn't get to do all the cool things they were doing. <laughs> um, and uh, lo and behold, my sixth birthday, I was diagnosed with diabetes. So got my wish, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's quite a few of us in the household. Um, my mom's, when we were growing up, was pretty overrun with us. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work for for someone, especially when uh, when they're the only one that's not technically diabetic in our in our group. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you first were um, diagnosed so, with it, were you were you happy you got it, or were you just just part of the normal household activities now? You know, for that for that age, I think um, I didn't really quite understand what was being taken on there um, in a lifestyle setting. Um, and especially, you know, nothing can really stop that from happening. People don't really know exactly why it happens quite yet. So 
being my birthday and then being in the hospital and nurses feeling bad for you and bringing you presents kind of you're sitting there as a six-year-old going this is the best day ever yeah. <laughs> um and then my family's like this is the worst day ever. <laughs> so, um it's kind of not really a, a thought in your head that it's a bad thing when you're you're that age yeah. yeah well the truth is you don't really understand what we're getting ourselves <laughs> into no matter what age it is when we became a diabetic but as a six-year-old yeah you definitely then felt included because you could be just like <laughs> your big sister and you could just be like that <laughs> what is it you would say with you and with your family living with and um you know impacted by diabetes so greatly what would those big challenges be that you guys found the most difficult to, to manage? Um, so I think with that question, it's probably a bit of a, a few parts. So I think when you're younger and you're growing up, the part for you is that you don't get to do a couple things or eat the things that you want to eat. Because um, when I was growing up and, and starting school and things with, with diabetes, we didn't do carb counting or anything yet. So there was, kind of like you had your long acting insulin and you had, I guess, you know, Humulin R and Humulin N was basically what was given to you. And so you had to have specific times in your day where you take insulin and specific, you know, parameters for your meals. And you didn't really get a whole lot of sway back and forth and what you were allowed to do. So my parents kind of, um, for example, there was one time in school where we all got to go and get slushies and things. Um, and I got a great big one. And I guess one of my mom's coworkers saw me with it. And the whole conversation at home was, oh, there was something that you had today, wasn't there, that you shouldn't have had. And so those kind of things where your, your parents kind of have to direct what you're eating and direct what you're allowed to have. And as a kid, that really sucks because you don't get like the little candies here and there and uh, unless your blood sugar is low. The upside to it is that you get to eat in class, you know, um, but... <laughs> Yeah, there was that sort of thing. When we did get to learn to card count, um, you know, my whole brain thought was I get candy. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, you know, when your blood sugar goes low, your parents are waiting up at night sometimes to make sure that you're okay. And there's that huge worry that, you know, are, are, is your family going to wake up in the morning, right? Because sometimes you don't feel your lows or you sleep through it. Um, so there's a lot of big fears around that. Um, I think growing up for me too is having two kids that are going through their teen years in kind of a denial of sorts mm. where you know you're not really truthful about your blood sugars and you're not really wanting to deal with it because you have so much more going on in your life it's high school right and middle school so there were a lot of struggles there I think for both you know parents and being the kid like I, I was not in control of my blood sugars going through my teen years and it would be skipping school to sleep because my blood sugar was high all the time and you know getting in trouble a lot because of that sort of thing so you know especially with people that have kids and going through that um that's a lot like especially for parents because the kids are really pushing back on you right so yeah. there can be a lot of hardships that way so I think that was mostly the biggest struggles we had. Um, and especially, you know, my dad's diabetic also. So she's kind of batting three tennis balls at a time trying to make sure everybody's okay. So, you know, you know, yeah. Bob, what, what I find, Shay, that you just shared is it's back to even what we talk about all the time. It's our mindset. It's that feeling of 
that we're being denied something or that something's been taken away or that we just don't want to look at those numbers all the time because they might say something bad about us or about our behavior, our performance, our choices. That So can I say that you're basically saying that that mindset around things in the family had to be structured because of diabetes, because the technology, when you were first diagnosed, when I was first diagnosed, it wasn't there where it is today. I don't get to, you know, go here and go, oh, where's my blood sugar at? Scroll, scroll. There's the app, right? There's my blood sugar, right? I don't now, uh, back then it was finger pricking. It was, you know, making sure that it was so structured with your end, uh, you know, and your long acting insulin that it was always a, a guessing game is a better way to put it, right? But ultimately mindset was driving that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Um, it's, lot of it mindset is a really hard thing to get over too um there's things that go on with your life and and things that have trained your brain to be a certain way you know for instance like you know my dad was diagnosed you know having to do these things much like yourself i think we've talked being diagnosed more as an adult and having to relearn how to work your life right so you know and he's someone that's worked for years and years to make sure our family has you know the funds to go along with my mother too like they've they've done a lot to make sure they're in a place to you know take care of everybody and so for him at that age you know young kids um this and that you know it's it's a big thing to change your life and to change like you said that mindset um so we're working with kids that barely remember being without diabetes and then adults that are also remembering a time their youth almost where they've they've had all that time to to go, oh, this is different now. So it's two sides of a coin. And I know a lot of times we've talked about, would it be better to never remember life without being diabetic or to be diagnosed later on when you've had a chance to live without it, right? So there's there's this big conversation with that. And I think of a lot of other people with that sort of question. Um, and, you know, there's two different mindsets between each other in that sense too, right? So you're looking at a whole group of people that are either angry that they've been diagnosed, um, don't know anything different. So they're kind of wishing they would know that difference or there's people that are kind of burnt out. And that's another thing too. Like there's so many facets we could go through with, with diabetes and how it affects you mentally or physically. And a lot of it is figuring out what works for you and how you can make it through. One of the most important, um, factors in mindset is is you, what you know what you learn but also the people that you hang around with right you were probably quite lucky because there, there were so many diabetics in your family and there's i'm assuming there's a quite a quite a bit of support certainly knowledge right but um when you interact with people these days especially um in your age group a lot of people are seem to be isolated or alone they're on their own journey the diabetic journey what would be your perspective on that, on keeping in touch or getting connected with other diabetics or, or just learning more about diabetes? What happens? Um, so there are quite a few people that I've connected with. There's actually some pretty great Facebook groups too, where there's entire communities of people that have diabetes that can talk about it. Um, there's people that go on there that are di you know, diagnosed a month ago that just have questions. Um, and it, you know, there's a whole bunch of conversation around relationships, um, even even dating, um, that have to do with with questions about 
how people would go about dating a person with diabetes or being with them and what you need to know. Um, and a lot of the information isn't quite as out there as a lot of people would like um, until, you know, you've seen a lot of people that are famous now, say Nick Jonas, for example, who's type one diabetic and he's interested and has moved forward to try and get more awareness out there. Um, and when it's people that are alone, they, you're right, they don't have that support. They don't have the tools that I've had, especially having, you know, two, three people in the same household that can share blood sugar strips and, you know, <laughs> um, get on each other about, you know, checking your blood or taking care of yourself. Um, when you're completely isolated and alone, that's a lot of work. That's, that's hard, too, because nobody's kind of understanding where you're coming from. Nobody feels the same lows that you do or understands how, you know, exhausting taking care of your blood sugars and taking care of everything else can be. And so like if your blood sugars are high all the time, you're, you're exhausted, right? Um, and if they're low all the time, you're exhausted. And then there's the time where they ping pong back and forth and you have no idea what you're going to do with yourself because, yep. again, you're exhausted. So with my sister and my dad, you can tell them about that and they'll understand it. And if you're alone and your family doesn't really understand that, they're like, oh, we'll just get up. Come on. That's yeah. really true. So you brought up a point in that very, in your story, in the response here, that's generational differences. So my story, as you and I have known, as we learned, uh, you know, we met through a friend and through a community and, and it's been a great journey. But one of the things that I find interesting is here I am, I'm in my fifties. Uh, I was diagnosed at 25 years old, right? So I experienced what you already shared that, life of independence of great health and fitness and all these things and then autoimmune deficiency click your uh, for whatever reason there's a straw that broke the camel's back and it doesn't always mean that we're to blame right life happens right and now i'm dealing with this well i'm being told i can't do things and then in my era of people and my generation most of them are very private they go they almost look at it as a, as, as a shame that I'm a diabetic versus, you know, saying, no, I am a diabetic. This is just is. I can't change that. And taking some pride in the fact that, okay, I'm up to this challenge, i.e. my shirt, challenge accepted. Let's move forward with an attitude that's positive. What's good in this moment and how do I change, right? How does it work for you if your, uh, you know, friends in, in a different generation how do you find that mindset, that attitude towards it? Is it a, one of shame? Is it one of, you know what? It is. So I think with certain people, and it's very few and far between now that I notice this, but certain people are kind of still in that mindset where they're like, oh, well, if you eat and do the exercise, you can reverse diabetes. And that's not even true in type two diabetes. What I've talked with people regarding that, and it, it's a thing that is such a, a stigma even today where you've done it to yourself, right? Or, you know, and that's where that shame's supposed to come from. Um, and they've got lots of, you know, examples on TV where people, you know, joke about, oh, if I eat this, I'm going to be diabetic. But that, you know, it, um, it's one of those things where people either don't know enough about it to try and say anything and do anyways, or there's people that know a little bit about it. Um, the thing that gets me the most is when people are sitting there and they're like, oh, my dog's diabetic. I get it. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is funny. I know what you mean on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
um and you know each each person has differences in how it's going to affect them there's people with more like you know likelihoods of getting certain complications or issues and i think even within the communities of of healthcare workers and practitioners there's a little bit of shame in in if you're controlled or not so endocrinologists will come and say well you're not doing good enough here and that you know regardless of the situation the person that's being told that is going to be like well I'm doing what I can or maybe they don't have the tools to figure out how to work their own systems out or their their lifestyles right so there, there's a huge disconnect in information even within our own communities to, to figure out how we can help ourselves better and sure. I noticed that a lot, of, yeah, a lot of people advocating and trying to get, you know, people more up to speed on even just, you know, if your blood sugar is low, don't give them insulin. Um, that's sort of the thing that, that people are, are starting to kind of find out. My friends are all, you know, a lot of them have sugary things in their purses and, and, yeah. and batteries just in case if I have my pump on and it needs a battery, you know, they're, they're there's people like that that are very, very supportive. And those are the people that that are willing to learn that information. Um, but there is a side of other people that that are just not interested and want to speak before before they learn some things. And I think it's just trying to gracefully move around that and find the people that are going to support you. Um, generation wise, I think it's it's become more of an accepted thing. I think a, a little more information has been brought forward. Um, because yeah a lot of times it's it's older generations that are trying to tell you oh well if you do this or oh if you do that then you wouldn't have done this to yourself and it's like oh okay thank you so much thank you um, not and there is that fine line it. too bob don't you think when we're, what you've shared is so important because what you've really talked about is people don't always understand and they try to throw accountability on because we all need to be accountable but sometimes the choices that we're making, we have to be accountable for in our life. That's true. So if I'm not exercising, I'm eating poorly, there are going to be consequences to that. And in the extreme case, diabetes is a result of mismanaging our health. But I do agree with you that that stigma that just because you're overweight means you're going to be a diabetic. That's wrong. The science supports the fact, though, that, you know, it's going to affect your insulin sensitivity, which will result in uh, a consequence, but we don't know for sure. The point is, is good habits drive good results. How do we help each other to realize as diabetics and people that aren't diabetics, because we can see things a little differently from being, you know, technically, if you want to call it sick, right? Health is a crown only the sick can see. So we value things just a little bit differently. That's part of the mindset and generation of it how do we actually work with these different views these different age groups to realize that together we can work together learn together and help those wherever they are on the journey because it really is a journey diabetes right what are your thoughts on that um yeah i mean things with type 2 diabetes are also changing um i mean a lot of times people will blame other people for their eating habits again weight wise um, where they've also found that type 2 diabetes can also be in genetics also so there there's lots of questions that everybody has and there's lots of learning that a lot of people can do and I know that 
you know, nowadays there's so much that people want to make you learn about or understand because there's so much misinformation everywhere. Um, but if you do have someone that's in your family that is diabetic or in your, your circle, um, you know, there's, there's lots of places you can find information. Um, I mean, Diabetes Canada, there's JDRF, there's, there's these videos that you guys thankfully do um, to get people up to speed or to understand what's, what's happening with other people. I think, yeah, I think it's just a lot of shame has been put on people, especially because of ignorance. And, you know, it's happened to me a lot. It's happened to family members. I, I can't get over the, um, if, if you eat a, a tables or a teaspoon of cinnamon or something, you'll, you'll be cured. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's just, yeah. I lots think of, it lots of myths, lots of myths out there and lots of, uh, um, data or um, education that's not true. That's for sure. The internet's yeah. uh, populated with that sort of stuff. But you've yeah, found well, some truth. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, even the thing saying, you know, don't go to WebMD if you, uh, if you have a cold or something because you're not going to like what it comes up with. It's one of those things, but they still trust the internet for, for, getting information out that that may be incorrect you know i love what you're saying because you're saying that it's a real challenge for a diabetic to actually find the truth right find the knowledge that's actually correct but also for themselves because everybody's a, everybody's um unique and um maybe you can share with us um some of the things you do um to manage your diabetes and uh, some of the routines you have, your morning routines, your afternoon routines, how you get enough rest, recovery, how you, you fit in your activities and, and, and perhaps some hints for um, nutrition and, and eating. Things that you do would be really fun to hear. Really good. Yeah, um, for sure. So I have the Libra Sensor. Um, so, you know, it's they've come up with the Libra Sensor too, which is really great. Um, and it does the same thing kind of the Dexcom does. It gives you a little notification if your blood sugar is up or down. Um, and so in the morning, I always end up being a little bit lower than, than the rest of the day. Um, so there's that little kind of dawn period. I think they call it the dawn phenomenon. Yeah. Um, so I have to be really careful about what I eat at the night time or you know how much insulin I take at that time because it will directly influence how my blood sugar comes up in the morning. Um, I've kind of, I'm a person that kind of likes consistency. So I have a lot of similar meals as I go, like I'll have my shake and eggs and, and stuff in the morning. And I know what the carbohydrates of that are already. So it's really easy to just kind of get my three or four units and do it and then, you know, eat my food. Um, it's the same with lunch and, and dinner. A lot of the time, I like just knowing what it is. <laughs> So that it's easy enough to know, okay, well, this is very consistent. This is all that I'm going to have in the day that, you know, obviously people like to go out and have food at restaurants, things like that. But for me, I just, I like the preparedness of it all. <laughs> um, and I do like to eat out. And there's, again, there's other things online that can tell you the carbohydrates and everything that you do. So if there are those extra times that you want to go do that, you can do it easy. Um, I'm very terrible at guesstimating. <laughs> my blood yeah. sugars and the insulin stuff. So I tend to just want to know what it is. 
Um, and then, yeah, if I'm stressed out, that's going to change my blood sugar. So <laughs> um, sleep's important. You know, you're going to get more stressed out and more frustrated with your blood sugars and all of that if you're not sleeping well. Um, and I've had a terrible time with sleep <laughs> in my past. So for me, it's, you know, giving myself a curfew and giving myself the time to de-stress and, and let myself watch a TV show at night and go to bed without that. Because if I'm not thinking about what my blood sugars are and I'm not thinking about all the other stresses in my day, then I'm going to fall asleep easier, right? Um, the other thing is if your blood sugars aren't in line, if they're high and low all the time or ping-ponging, you're going to be exhausted at the wrong times and you're going to be wide awake at the wrong times. So, it, you know, it's, it's the same thing with health and exercise. If you're not getting enough sleep and you're not getting the right nutrition, your body's not going to work and fuel itself the right way. Um, so for me, it's all about consistency. And I know that's the worst thing sometimes for people to want to hear because not a lot of people <laughs> like consistency, but it's the same thing with working out. It's, it's getting that routine down. And then it's almost like your, your diabetes and what you're working with becomes you know, your second mindset instead of always being at the forefront of your mind. So instead of, you know, being like, oh, blood sugars ah, all the time, and that being the thing that burns you out and makes you not want to check your blood and not do the needles and, you know, not set your pump up right, um, it turns it into more of a secondary action than actually being the thing you're concerned about all the time. So that cortisol is not running in your brain and you're not stressing out all the time, right? If that, if I find that sound any clear. Well, that's really good. Actually. I love those. Um, I love that those perspectives. I'm just wondering, we're going into deep into deeper into winters or different times of the year affect you differently. Summer makes me run lower. Um, I'm more active in summer too, right? It's hotter. Um, there's been studies that show that hotter weather actually makes your blood sugar a little bit, a little bit lower at times, which is an interesting thing to see. Um, yeah. winter time, I'm holed up, I'm eating soup. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm not doing a lot of exercise. So my blood sugars tend to run a little bit higher. They tend to not, not crazy, but if you're, if you're not watching it, it can jump up there. Right. But mm -hmm. yeah, winter time's kind of the worst in blood sugar wise for me. If, you know, if I would say anything, um, because you, you are less active. It's when people hide inside and they want to eat the, the Christmas stuff and the candies and the, yeah. Um, so I would go with that for sure. And I like candy okay. a lot. So <laughs> in your diabetes management, is there anything that you're extra specially good at or you're bang on right now? Superpower. They, yeah. Like you have a superpower <laughs> there and on the, on the reverse side, is there anything that you are not consistent with? You constantly struggle with. Okay. Um, so I think I've got my meal plans and eating down pat for my consistency wise for the base of it um for me i am um, everyone that i know will probably tell you that i i absolutely love candy and i think in my brain it's because i didn't get to have it a lot when i was a kid so every time there's something in the house that is like candy and and if you're watching to my friends that bought me a ridiculous amount of dinosaurs <laughs> um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it kills me because my biggest problem is eating the candy and I can't stop it so I take large amounts of insulin and a lot of times it it's not correct so I'll kind of flip-flop 
Um, so I have to watch myself with, with candy and, and junk food because I am bad, very yeah. bad. It begins the roller coaster, right? It totally begins the roller coasters. My, like yours, I'm a you take jube jubes away or M&Ms. Don't bring them in the room. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if yeah, if you're a foodie of any sort, you know, you have to be careful because you know, you're sitting there with these beautiful dishes of food. And, you know, I love to cook and I love to make things and stare at people as they eat my food because I want them to be like, hmm, it's really good. Um, And then I want to, you know, eat the good food and do the good things. And and so I'm guessing my terrible part is, you know, when you're eating things like heavy starches, potatoes, um, you know, pizzas are really hard fun for people I've noticed that have diabetes, pasta. Uh, those sorts of things, they give you a bit of a roller coaster in your blood sugars because some foods will give you a short span of where your blood sugar is going to spike and other foods will kind of elongate. So it will be a little bit of a spike and then it'll go down and then spike later. And that's what I'm still kind of figuring out a little more. And that's kind of my biggest uh, kryptonite, I guess you'd say. Well, that's the prime example. You think of nuts, right? I love nuts. And it's exactly that delayed sugar right because it's all this protein that's mixed in with some very minimal amounts of carbs the salt you know love that but the point is is that you eat it and it's like you said it's just a little bit of an increase it's nothing it's sort of normal oh no biggie and then three hours later all those uh uh carbs are because everything gets turned to glucose is now going up in in there at a delayed onset so you've spoken some really good truths here that uh, really resonate. A uh, question: How did you get your um, the your food down pat? Did you use any special apps, or how did you learn that? Because eating properly and regularly and snacking and that sort of things—that's a real skill. You know, I uh, I took the long way around, and I kind of researched and checked all the carbohydrates on the side of the nutrition info for everything that I've been eating, um, and because I'm trying to get into a routine where it's, you know, eat, work, gym, paint. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like it's very, um, I I just kind of individually took everything and found the, the carb info and then put it all together and then decided, okay, this is what I've got for this meal. This is what I've got for that meal. But, you know, for people that don't want to do that and for people that are looking for kind of an easier way to go around that, Again, websites, um, apps, I, you know, even the allrecipes.com is one that I use for making food that I really like. Um, and it has a lot of nutrition info sometimes. Um, or there's even ones that are directly with um, fast food chains have nutrition info all the time now, too. So if you're looking to not change your lifestyle a whole lot, you know, most places actually have to give their nutrition info to you. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Although All Recipes is um, is a site that also has people posting recipes, I wouldn't be hard-pressed to say that there is also some lack in nutrition info there sometimes. But yeah, um, there's even books. I remember as a kid, I think it was called like Food King or something, and they had entire books with nutrition info. Um, so if you want to find it, it's there. It's just a matter of a couple clicks and some typing. I think what you said kind of just, you slipped it in there so brilliant. You said, I'm trying to um, eat, work, work out, and paint. 
and that that's gold because most people don't think about their days like that. I know this man right here and I do as well. Like I've got a gym workout scheduled for today at uh, four mm -hmm. o'clock, right? What time do you work out almost every day? It's usually around three. Yeah. So it's like, um, <laughs> that's, that's locked into our days. That's, yeah. that's literally locked into our every, almost every day, right? That workout time. And then mm -hmm. um, the work part is all scheduled as well. Um, and then you said painting, which is your passion. You're creating yes. a passionate moment in your day, right? Or in your week for sure. A lot of people leave that out. They don't take care of themselves That's right. and make sure that they're doing what they're passionate about. Um, and I love the fact that you're thinking about eating. Well, of course, we're thinking about eating to make sure all that stuff can happen too. But that's just the concept of planning, right? Mapping it out. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I think just yeah. to, it leads to a really good point you and I talked about and something that I want you to share on here is these routines, right? I say this all the time, that chance favors a prepared mind, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But the fact is, you said something powerful that our purpose helps us to cope in a conversation you and I had just a couple of days ago. And I think that that's something I'd love you to share about how does your passion, painting, fitness, the things that you just explained to us, help you cope and to manage your busy lifestyle and live with diabetes? Yeah, so I, I really 100% believe that that's the biggest catalyst for anybody's reasoning to do anything is a purpose. Um, and so whether it be to make someone happy, to make yourself happy, um, or to make yourself feel like there's, there's a direction in your life, you, you have to incorporate that into whatever structure you have. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people burn out sometimes is they kind of take out the passion and creativity in their life and try and completely structure their entire lives that way. Um, and when you're sitting there with the structure that is great and good and all, um, you're not giving yourself the ability to, to kind of mix it up in your life. You're not giving yourself that mental break um, to discover your creative side or your imagination or the things that truly make you happy. Um, just because you have diabetes, it doesn't mean your entire life has to be around it. It just means that you have to consider it in what you're doing. So here's a kind of a weird yes. but funny story is my mom's also a painter. Um, she's a fabulous artist. Um, I learned everything from her. And she, one time, she took my blood sugar test strips. And they were all used ones because I, I don't know if you guys do this, but I used to have test strip bottle A and test strip bottle B. And one of them was used test strip bottles. Um, and she took those and put them in her painting. And I was super creeped out. But she's like, it's a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> and it just had all these test strips on it. And it, it just, it kind of reminds me that it's just everything's so messy. And it's like the same with like paintings. They're messy, um, but they, they've got the colors and the brightness. And those little kind of twinkles of light in your life that that otherwise would just make everything mundane and, and you'd be in, in, indifferent to everything. You know, it's the same walking in nature, or hiking and see things moving on without your presence even being needed there and realizing you're the presence that you need there. You're the thing that you need to move on forward. So mm, that's cool. When you're looking. Yeah. And when you're thinking of things like that then the structures and those things again become second nature and you can decide all the other things you want to put into your life and install there 
to, to really fill out that life cycle. So instead of being that person that goes, oh, I hate my life. I'm diabetic. This is the worst. You, you kind of just turn it into something else. You turn it into something that's more like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm dealing with. But this is this is my life. This mm-hmm. isn't. This is just something that sustains it. This is such gold, Shay, that you, you're sharing because, <laughs> you know, life really is art. It really is about creating the life that we want, right? That's, I know, what we're really focused on. And we've had lots of talks with you about UD, our community, our programs. But how do we predict our future? We have to create it. We have to be the artist of our life, like you're saying. So whether it's what your mom's doing and accepting and embracing the diabetes and using the used test strips, because they actually symbolize little moments and sparkles, as you said, where you paused, where you looked and we're missing sometimes in our life, Mm -hmm. those little pauses, those realizations that what we're passionate about, those things are gifts to us. Where did that come from, right? The point is, your passion for art, your ferociousness in wanting to support other people, i.e. being here today, the other things you're doing with CDA, and I can go on with the list. Those things are the sparkles that we can do by giving to others. We grow, we help others grow in their knowledge and understanding. And then ultimately we all get to work together, right? In trying to make something better. And I think that's really important part is community you're talking about. It's really like art. It's all of us coming together and realizing we're not alone, that together we can create this uncommon diabetic life. So I'm really curious now with your passion, you're taking this and you're applying it in so many colorful ways. And one of them is, i.e., supporting and advocating for organizations like the Canadian Diabetes Association, like Uncommon Diabetic Solutions and our programs and others. How are you using your art and what you're doing to help you advocate for diabetes and for nature? Share a little bit about that for you, for, to, for all of us. So um, with my artwork, I'm hoping to eventually get to the point where I can start donating portions of my funding to um, people or, or organizations that are helping people struggle with diabetes. That's my main goal. Um, and again, portions of my work to uh, at-risk wildlife and, and things like that. Um, I, I have a lot of interest in nature and wildlife given my kind of really lucky upbringing and in, in kind of a very small town where, again, like you said, bears would, uh, would frequent our yard. Like we had a cul-de-sac where there was, there's a moose one day and everybody's like, Oh, okay. You know, there's just a moose in our yard. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was really lucky. You know, I was probably one of the closer to the end generations that got to go out and play and then come home when the, the sun goes down. Um, so preserving that preserving what nature has to offer, even including um, creatures that don't have the luxury of, you know, being in abundance. Um, it, it, it's kind of close to my heart a little bit. And, you know, with diabetes, we've been through so much, our family, you know, with, you know, hard, low blood sugars, or, you know, just trying to feel like the other person's safe, you know, if you know, someone's blood sugars are out of line, you get worried for them, right? You can, you can tell sometimes when people are running high all the time, because you can, you can see that there's, um, sometimes there's weight loss, or there's this just general fatigue, you know, and you like, I, I don't know if you've seen it before, but there's people, 
I've seen that have really high blood sugars all the time and they'll eat and eat and eat, but they'll never gain any weight back because their blood sugars are always high, right? So they can eat as much as they want and drink as much, but there's just no nutrition going into their body. And so watching people and, you know, going through what I did as a teenager, it wasn't healthy. Um, and it, you know, it put you in a bad place. Um, a lot of times diabetics also have a high risk for depression. Um, and so it's just, you know, one of those things that again, it's, it's very close to me. So I want to be able to support people in that, even if it comes in the form of awareness or, or even support for people to comment or message to me, or even if it's just, you know, making a painting that can help a little bit. Right. Um, so it, it's again, kind of aligning with my core values of, of helping the people that, that are in the same sort of boat as me or helping creatures that are. I know need that help. I love both your comments on uh, the, the power of purpose. Um, but I know many people, um, some in their 60s, their 40s, their 30s, lots in their 20s that are searching. Yeah. And you can go through life with passion and, and lose it too and have to recreate it. So maybe both your perspectives on, on how that, uh, yeah, your perspectives and your advice on how does a person find purpose? How does a person find passion? Like that, that's a, for, yeah, for some people that's a, a they, they haven't found it. It's, it's a mystery. It's like, no, it's where, what is my purpose? What is my passion? So Shay, why don't you start? And then I'll give my two bits on, on this. This is a great question. How do you mm -hmm. uh, deal with that for yourself? Um, so one one part of that, I think, is especially as people with diabetes go through burnout a lot, um, and that can last for years even, right? So if you are going through this unstable life of trying to figure out what makes you happy and not, and you go into that burnout, nothing really gives you any sort of inspiration to find a purpose or to find something that affects you in a way that makes you want to to move or to get up and do something. Um, and I think that that's hand in hand again with depression um, and talking to people and finding people that you really enjoy talking with um, or even just trying things, maybe even new things that, that you didn't realize you loved that much, right? Like painting was never my thing until I realized that I absolutely loved it. Um, and I, I found out that I seemed to have a, a little bit of skills crossed over from sketching and pastel and things that I absolutely did love. Um, and I stopped doing art for a while before that, you know, I, I stopped doing everything because I was just exhausted and, and depressed. <laughs> um, you know, my A1C was, I think, 13 at some point, and that's pretty high. Um, so that's the other thing. If your blood sugars are, are really high all the time, you're not looking for that, right? You're not interested in a purpose because you, you don't feel like there is one. It's mm -hmm. the same as you said, you know, what's the point? What's the point of being, you know, caring about it or caring about you as, as a person, you know? Um, and I think the very first step is just trying to get your blood sugars in line. Once you feel that inclination to do that again, then do it or, or just try and push yourself to that. And I know it's hard to push yourself in any respect when you're in those places but it's trying to get out of that that again that mindset right there's a mindset that and it's not wrong to be in that mindset it's just 
finding ways that you enjoy or that you think are important to get you out of that mindset. So, you know, even caring for something so small as a plant can help people decide that they want to do more with their lives or do more in, in circumstances that otherwise would have left them alone or different. Right. So for me, when I was in a burnout, the biggest part of trying to take care of myself was, you know, I started thinking I can make these paintings into something I can put all of my anger and emotion into. Or, you know, even if I'm having a good time, I can put it on a painting, I can make something beautiful for other people to look at. And that that gave me a purpose, because I'm producing something that people are finding interesting, or people um, are finding emotion in, right? So you're connecting with people on a different level. And I think finding a connection with other people, or, you know, even if you have pets and animals, things like that, finding those connections will give you a purpose too. The only thing and, and that I want to say is that I know how hard that is to get out of though, right? So I don't have any direct answer to what can give a person purpose other than to keep looking for it and, and keep telling yourself that there is one somewhere. I really just love your honesty, your yes. transparency there. Thanks <laughs> so much for sharing that. I mean, so many people um, go through exactly what you're going through. So to hear that, uh, it's really inspiring. Thanks so much, Shay. But what are you? What about you, my friend? What's your thoughts on this purpose? This this uh, difficult thing to grasp to to find your passion. Do you have any suggestions yeah. or advice? Well, I really resonate with you, uh, Shay, and everything you've been talking about today. You really speak. We speak a very similar language. That's why I <laughs> call you an uncommon diabetic because our purpose, I think is very aligned in the sense that my purpose is to empower people living with and impacted by diabetes as well. But diabetes really is a journey. And for me, it's one of the things that we teach in our programs. It's, it's what I really believe and what I've learned from almost 30 years of living with it is that if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. It's that simple, right? So we need to be clear and be able to lay down just a very simple, what's the result I want. And today, it might literally just be make one step forward. And there's days where I feel completely overwhelmed with trying to do what we're trying to do. And I go, how is this possible? Well, what's the one thing right now that I can do that by doing it, it's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary. And that's a great book, by the way, the one thing that's where I just learned that. And I think that, that creating a map with a very clear purpose and then breaking it backwards into basic, easy steps. Because I can't jump to the top of the staircase, unless it's a really short staircase, in one go. But I can go focus on the first step. And now I'm there. I learned something, right? I've made some mistakes maybe along the way. But to fail isn't a bad thing. We've both talked about this. That's a fantastic adventure learning, getting to the next step. And then from there, how do we do that? It's take the next step. So I'm very philosophical about it, but the truth is we have to create a map, a massive action plan that starts with the end in mind. So what Shay said is so true. Start with your passion. Passion is the critical ingredient to success of anything. It's to overcoming any obstacle. Right? 
that passion, what helps us face our fears. I know for me, I do. I have lots of fears. The fear, the one that most of us is, well, what are other people going to think? What if I fail? Well, those are lies, right? So that's something that I really want to resonate as, as, you know, somebody that has failed a lot in my journey as a diabetic. I've had days where my sugars have hit 25 because I completely forgot to bolus. I forgot to do my injection after eating a dessert of all things, <laughs> right? I get excited. I'm in the moment. I'm with people. And then 30 minutes later, I feel like a sack of you know what, like just <laughs> I'm yawning. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I'm just well, any of you've experienced it, you don't even have to be a diabetic to know what it's like to have a sugar coma, right? When you've overdone it, it's just more exemplified with diabetes. So this leads back to mm -hmm. the point of purpose. Our goal as people is just to improve. It's to mm -hmm. learn. And I think to journey with others is probably the most valuable lesson that I've learned in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of proximity of community to do what we're doing here right now. Shay, I've learned an immense amount. You've affirmed things that I believe you've put some new thoughts into me that I can think about that have challenged me and to be humble so that I can go to anybody. It doesn't matter of age. It doesn't matter whatever, but as diabetics, we can help each other because I don't know what Shay knows and Shay doesn't know what I know. But if we share we get the sum of that. That only happens in community. So the long-winded way, focus on our passion and surround ourselves with people that are aligned with that passion. It's going to make us stronger. It's going to help us move forward. So that's my long-winded way of saying it, but <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think passion doesn't have to be your work too, right? So a lot of people think I've got... I, I, my passion has to be my work when I'm thinking that it can be a recreational pursuit that um, may turn into work, but it doesn't have to be work. I know Heath's uh, an exemplary golfer. He's a fantastic golfer. This is one of his passions. And um, uh, he wishes, life. he wishes it was a professional, yeah. pursuit, but he's not good. Enough. I'm not good. enough. He's, a, he's an amazing golfer. Like he's a scratch golfer, but uh, he's not good enough to be a pro. But it's a passion. Mm -hmm. He works on it all the time. He gives him great joy, and your art as well, right? Um, but I think you make you make you sell your art as well, Shay. I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I kind of juggle full time job and then four or five hours at artwork most days. So you're kind of working <laughs> towards that. That might become. That might become. You're taking your passion yeah. maybe to the next level, which is great. Yeah, well, and I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, I know that a lot of people, especially who are either new to diabetes or, you know, have talked to people that might not understand the struggle so well, um, you know, a high blood sugar feels shameful a lot of the time for people, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're in your 20s, and you're like, oh, I'm a terrible person, or that I'm a terrible diabetic, which is how, how you know, <laughs> how do you decide that you're terrible at anything if, if this is something you've been given to deal with, right? Um so, I mean, you got to be able to laugh at yourself, you know, if, if you've had a little bit of a low or you're like, oh, my blood sugar is really high right now. You don't have to hate yourself for it, right? You, you just keep moving on. So just make sure people know that you're not supposed to hate yourself because you're, you're not having the best day. 
right? So maybe maybe that might just be the smallest step to not losing your passion for your life, right? You know, I think our time is coming to a close here shortly, but I wanted to ask you a couple quick uh, questions for you to share with us and all of the people that will watch have watched been watching this as well as will watch this in on uh, online if you could give a person one thing the best tip you can give on how to balance a busy life with diabetes what would you get what would you tell them well, you can say more than one thing but in the one thing <laughs> it's one thing that's all i'm allowed um uh, honestly i think balancing a busy life it comes down to making sure that you're putting time for yourself in first and foremost, and you're not wavering on those things for you. Um, so you can have all the busyness you want in your life to just make sure you have at least a little sliver cut out for yourself, you know, get the fuzzy socks, get the, <laughs> get the, you know, the, the air fryer or something, get something for you that you want to do, or, you know, take the time to paint or if what you do enjoy is exercising, go and do that. Don't, don't put everything into your schedule that that is for another purpose. You just got to focus on yourself sometimes. And I think that's what happens. People need to make sure of that. And I, I love that as a hint. I would, I would build on that by saying that um, there's 168 hours in the week. And what, what would, uh, what is the number of hours that you would like to put towards yourself each and every week to actually put a number on that is a, it's a critical part of the planning process. So um, yeah. I I've got sleep hours, recreation hours, time with the wife hours, time with the kids hours. <laughs> that's how I break my week up. And, um, and that's, that's really important. Self-care, self-care hours yeah. are there as well. Yeah. Intelligent well, yeah, if people... selfishness. That's what you just explained. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to be selfish. If you think about it this way, every single act in the world is sort of selfish in a certain way. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Selfishness shouldn't be a bad word, you know, unless you're ridiculously selfish. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's the same thing as saying, you know, if someone cares about you, they'll make the time for you. So why aren't we thinking about that with ourselves, right? If we care about mm -hmm. ourselves, why aren't we make, making that time, you know? So. Well, I think you said something there that's pretty strong. And I'm not going to go into a whole lesson. We teach this in our course, but it's all about the human needs. We all have, every one of us has the same needs of feeling certain, feeling significant, feeling loved and connected, needing adventure, growing and giving. Those are the six needs. But the truth is, each one of us is unique in the combinations and order of them. So I think what you've said is we need to be true to ourselves and know what those needs are. Mm -hmm. And the way that we talk a lot about it is you got to put the big rocks in the glass first. That's another story in itself. But the point is <laughs> really be clear on those big rocks that matter to us all mm -hmm. and put them in. Would that be a good summary of that? Yeah, I think so. Excellent. So Shay, how do people learn more about you, about your art and the causes? Uh, and where can people find you? Um, so I'm on Facebook. I've got a YouTube channel. So Facebook, it's just Shea Aris Art. Um, Instagram, it's uh, at Shea underscore Aris. Um, and on Facebook, you can even find the link that shows my YouTube channel where I have free art classes. Um, and those are, oh, and my website, obviously, is www.shayarisart.com. And so those are the most frequently used to find information about me, to message me, 
Um, even if it's a question about diabetes, if you if you're new to it or if you've got kids with it, you know, always happy to answer and, and give some support if anybody needs it. I know I have had people comment and send me messages over my uh, my uh, web page or even just my Facebook messaging to ask questions. Always happy with that. So, well, guys, I can tell you, Shay is definitely uncommon. She's <laughs> got wisdom beyond her years, eh, Bob? Mm -hmm. I think that the the what I call uncommon sense, right, that you possess for <laughs> and the, that you've shared with us in the diabetic world is important, right? And we're all on a unique journey together. So for all of you watching, check Shay out. Her art is phenomenal. I love it. And I think it's something that uh, you could do. I've watched even some of her courses. It, you, you will not go wrong visiting uh, any of Shay's uh, social media website or checking out her programs. So I really want to thank you, Shay, for joining us today. And I have a, just a few things that I need to say here, guys, is that I don't know if you guys watching today are experiencing the challenges of living with diabetes and you're just at a moment where your mindset's struggling, right? Or you're off track in your eating. You're just not working out. You're having a really hard time just slowing down so you can sleep. The world's racing. Well, if you're struggling with weight loss or you're struggling with any of the four pillars that we will teach in our courses, I really want you to know that together we can. We can help you lose weight. We can help you find the right diet and eat correctly. As Shay was talking about, carb counting, the simple techniques. But most importantly, how do we combine all the four pillars of health, the way we think, the way we eat and drink, exercise, and then recover and rest? It's critical. So I want to invite you, right, to take advantage of our free Uncommon offers. And you can locate those at UncommonDiabetic.com. But I want to talk to you about one minute is about our free transform workshop. Join me this Thursday at 4 p.m. and learn those four pillars. Learn how we can help create the foundations and live an uncommon diabetic life. You know, together we can. It's about getting in proximity. It's about joining community of diabetics, working with and helping diabetics. That's what we're about. Together we can. So I really want to thank you, Shay, again. I want to thank you, Bob, as always, for helping, you know, facilitate. He keeps me on track. I get so much energy, and sometimes I can squirrel down the rabbit hole. But the truth is, is that together we're doing a great job, and we really are looking forward to the opportunity of working with you again, Shay. We appreciate all the support you give us with Uncommon Diabetic Solutions, and I'm so grateful. So until we see you next week, guys, at, uh, on UDTV, be uncommon.